The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. The gambling wave, it's only just begun. As much as one can benefit from the pandemic, which I don't like to say, but it's been kind of an expediting process for us with some of our verticals with, you know, you guys have seen it with the increase in stock prices for some of the gaming companies. That's Dan Bravado, president of the 76 Capital Sports Advisory, where the money in gambling and gaming is being followed very, very closely. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Gambling cat's out of the bag these days, and lately there's been a land grab for partnerships as sports betting operations sign on with networks, leagues, and teams in the hope of converting new customers to their platform before the onslaught of options takes over. In the content world, gambling material is growing exponentially, and following that money, it isn't hard. It's being in front of it. That's the key to sports media venture capital these days. Our guest this week is Dan Bravado, who's the president of the 76 Capital Sports Advisory, which is the latest venture from 76 Capital, the venture capital company that invests in sports tech, esports, sports betting companies. We've had Wayne Kimmel and others from the venture firm on this podcast before. Dan, great to meet you. Great to have you here. Thanks for being with us. Great to meet you as well, Bram. Excited to be here. Longtime listener. So excited to be on for uh, for the first time. Um, so let me start with the big question. How are you? in a pandemic uh, it's, it's a challenge but it, it, it actually bodes really well for what we're working on being you know kind of at the focal point of some of the emerging areas of sports particularly esports and sports betting and social responsibility uh it, it really just plays really nicely as, as much as one can benefit from the pandemic which i don't like to say but it's been kind of a, an expediting process for us with some of our verticals with you know you guys have seen it with the increase in stock prices for some of the gaming companies take two and activision blizzard the viewership increases on twitch the social responsibility messaging and everything in between so it's certainly been kind of a, a business that's done well during the pandemic as much as one can say that are you guys focused short term with them as you try to navigate what's going on here are you trying to focus on when normal life comes back whenever that will be how do you guys kind of view what you're doing in the here and now yeah, so it's a great question. So I believe that what we're focused on is the long-term vision for the sports industry. I mean, the reason we got into these and the reason 76 Capital exists is to be on the emerging side of the sports industry. And as, as you can see from kind of 76 portfolio and their track record, they've been investing in gaming and sports betting for years now and are very bullish on it. And this pandemic has just kind of expedited our beliefs and where we see the industry headed. And that can be anything from the way media is consumed. I mean, one, one of the ways that, one of the reasons I got into esports from traditional sports is because I saw kind of the way consumption was occurring in the gaming world. And I thought, wow, this is where we're going to see the NBA. This is where we're going to see the NFL. 
and really fell in love with the Twitch product, YouTube, and all the other gaming platforms, and said, this this is something I see the traditional sports world doing very soon, and I wanted to get a jump on it. So made the leap over to the gaming and esports world over the past couple of years, and still firmly believe that that some of the emerging techs and, and the uh, consumption habits we're seeing in these spaces are, are what is going to be normal place in the sports world moving forward. And I mean, I think that, you know, everything we've seen thus far has, has only proven that right to date. So you're talking about the social aspect, that it is very inclusive in the esports world and the traditional sports world has been very exclusive, correct? Is that what you're kind of getting at here? Yep, absolutely. I mean, it, I think uh, a testament to that is, you know, in the gaming space, you can talk to your favorite streamer, your favorite player, you know, they may be on Twitch streaming and you can jump right in the chat and what gun are you using? What are you doing here? Why did you do this? And they can engage with you actively where, you know, in traditional sports, that wasn't something that you could see. And I, I think we're seeing it more and more now with, you know, hot mics on players and things like that. But it, it's that engagement and that connection that each fan can have with their favorite player or talent. So tell me how you bridge the gap, though, because in game, Steph Curry is not going to tell you what move he's he's making. And LeBron James isn't going to talk to his fans literally in a Lakers game. So how do you kind of bridge that gap between the access that esports allows for and the access you're trying to achieve in traditional sports? Yeah, I think what and it ties in nicely with our social responsibility vertical that Joanne Pasternak is leading, who is with the 49ers and Warriors and now runs her own businesses. These athletes have a voice. And, you know, maybe that's not directly when they're playing. Maybe that's, you know, after a game, before a game. But social media has created a tremendous access point for fans to engage and, and learn more about their athletes. And it's, it's something, you know, you didn't see people kind of be fans of different cities and different teams prior to the Internet and things like that, where you were able to watch Steph Curry despite living in New York, or you were able to watch LeBron, although he's moved around, even though you don't live in L.A. at this current juncture. And I think that social media and digital is giving people access to these players that they've never had before. So it, it may not be directly on court, but I think the getting to know the players on a personal level is something that, that we're seeing a ton of. And we're really excited to see that continue to unfold because I think it creates lifelong fans of players, uh, which is a little different than we've seen over the past hundred years or so where we're going to have a lot more fans of players and less fans of teams. Yeah, I, I think we are seeing that. Um, we talked to the Sports Innovation Lab. They call it the fluid fan. That's how they describe it, that this is just – and even people my age that are middle-aged are kind of looking at sports differently through the lens of fantasy sports in the past, the lens of gambling, obviously. And the experience that I think fans are now expecting out of going to an arena that is very different than the past, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I agree completely. It's, it's, and I've worked for a number of organizations and, and consulted on projects where it, it's much more about the experience. You know, it used to be solely about what's on the court or what's on the field. And, and now it's almost very minimally about that because that's kind of happening regardless. Uh, I think what we're seeing in DC with the sports book opening up, um, is, is amazing. And that's, you know, the first, the first kind of movement there that we're seeing that in arena betting, uh, we're excited for obviously with some of our portfolio companies. And also, um, just from a, an engagement standpoint, I mean, you're seeing hot tubs in Jacksonville and esports lounges at the Wells Fargo Center, and it's, it's becoming an entertainment hub. And that's really what it's about. And that's what we kind of see gaming and, and sports and all of that as entertainment, right? And that's, we're in the business of making people smile. And, and I think that's something that more and more people are realizing and, and they're evolving their strategy of um, in-person attendance to represent that. We've talked to a lot of different people um, about uh, learning about the fan and what appears to have been, and maybe this was your experience in your past working for teams and clubs, 
is that you actually didn't know that much about the people. You knew that they were a fan of the team. You knew they liked soccer, hockey, football, whatever it may be, but you didn't know much else about their interests. And it appears that that's what's really changing here is that there's a much more broad view of how it fits into an entertainment spectrum for fans. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's this era for some reason it is we've uncovered this revolutionary idea and it's called listening to what people want. And I think it's something that's so simple and so easy, but for some reason was ignored for so long where, and this isn't, this isn't just an, a sports problem. This is a, a global problem where companies were dictating what people wanted rather than saying, no, 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 I want this. I'm telling you the exact experience I want. I'm telling you what involvement I want. And now all of a sudden everyone's listening. And I think the data is showing that of, of who these fans really are. Are they young? Are they multicultural? Are they old? Are they white? Are they black? and what they really want. So do they want an in-game experience? Do they want better food? Do they want this? Do they want that? And, and I think that's extremely valuable and will evolve the game because now all of a sudden everyone has a voice. And I think social media played into that, right? Where you would post, come check out the game tonight, and everyone would say, we don't want to go, or we want this. Can we have better food? And now all of a sudden everyone has a voice. And I think that's a great thing. All right, so let's take some of these topics one by one, gambling, esports, and let's start with the social stuff since we, we talked about it and not social justice, but the social ability for teams to interact with their fans in the modern way that, that you're discussing. Um, who are you working with? Who are you talking to that you think is getting it right right now in terms of engaging differently with their fans than they had in the past? Yeah, I think I think it's a great question. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of it in the gaming space. and. Uh, I, rather than picking a specific team, I can use kind of an influencer and then and then kind of transition to a team. Um, I, I think there's a number of streamers who have done a lot of a lot of really great things recently, uh, and it's something that that you see a lot in the gaming space. Just kind of the cyclical nature of playing different titles. You know, you may have um, Tim the Tatman, who's one of the biggest streamers on Twitch and, and in the world, and Tim was a Fortnite streamer, and Tim played a ton of Fortnite, and that was very popular. And then all of a sudden. Call of Duty Warzone came out, and now he more or less exclusively streams Warzone. And I think that's a testament to his fans saying, I want to see you play this game. I want to see you engage with this. I want to see you do this. Where previously it would be, you know, I do this and I do that, and that's all I'm going to do. And I think that's a really big testament to kind of the evolution and why I think this whole listening and, and having conversations with your fan base is of the utmost importance. And I think that's a great example of how he was able to engage with his fans and kind of grow and do things they wanted. And I think on a team level, I mean, we see it a lot with, uh, you know, various teams across across sports. I think MLS is a great example of kind of doing really cool things. And I think Atlanta United is a great example of kind of creating, you know, soccer was something that uh, wasn't in Atlanta in the conventional sense. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they have the, the biggest fan bases in, in soccer when, when soccer is being played. Uh, you know, you have upwards of 70,000 people coming out to Mercedes-Benz Superdome, to, or excuse me, Mercedes-Benz. What they did was really cool, and I think it's down to the food prices, the price of admission, the engagement, the player base that they selected, and I think they just did an excellent job of really answering what that fan base wanted and delivering on it. And so I think that's a great example of, of you know how they've done it on a molecular level and on a, a wide level with, with Atlanta. I, I'm cur- I, would, I would like to hear why you think that that happened for them, because that's a very interesting place. Like The Falcons have been there a long time. The Braves have been there a long time. The Braves had trouble drawing to a nice stadium in the city. They just built a new stadium. The Thrashers left, so hockey never really stuck. The Hawks, when they're competitive, get crowds, and when they don't, they have trouble selling tickets. But the soccer team has had no problem building an army of fans there. 
Um, what do you think they did right to kind of capture that city? Yeah, it, it's fascinating. And at the time in Major League Soccer, I was with uh, City Football Group, Man City, and NYCFC. So we, we looked at them quite, quite frequently and were envious of the success they had. I, I think it's a lot of things. I think number one is the market, right? Atlanta is a very multicultural market. And for some reason, it was ignored and people didn't you know, pay attention to that. There's a large Hispanic population in Atlanta. And, and Atlanta really built their team, you know, some of the players they selected uh, and brought in and, and really answered what that crowd wanted. And I think that plays a lot into it is understanding your demo and understanding your market and realizing that there's something that these folks want that they're not getting. And they may be first generation immigrants, second generation, but soccer is a passion that they have and they didn't have a local way to express it. And now all of a sudden Atlanta United comes in and they, they actually, you know, cater to these folks rather than saying, hey, we're this club and this is what we stand for. It was very much like we're, we're about soccer, we're about family, we're about passion. I think that is kind of the grassroots of what kind of helped them build into what they did. And they're also a very community-driven org, which I think plays really nicely into that overall message and tying into that um, multicultural demo. So I, I think, you know, it, it's funny. It's a case study that people in MLS, and I can tell you firsthand, people have looked at extensively to try to figure out how they were able to yeah. do that. And no one's come to a concise answer, but that is the, the answer that I just gave is what I've seen and what I've kind of speculated on. But it's, it's one of the most fascinating case studies in sports. Uh, let's focus on gambling here now uh, for a moment. 76 Capital has been at the cutting edge of being behind the gambling movement, which is clearly changing rapidly. Um, it feels very Wild West to me. There's a number of different um, outlets that are vying to get connections with teams and partnerships with leagues and et cetera. You'd mentioned Washington. I just saw news today of the Pacers signing on with a gambling outlet. Um, how do you kind of view who are going to be the winners and the losers in this space? This is DraftKings FanDuel Part 2, where, and I'm speaking more on the daily fantasy side, where everyone is coming in and trying to do a land grab because they know legalization is coming or online betting is coming, untethered betting is coming, and they want to have the biggest customer base. And, you know, you start with sports fans and you work your way out because sports fans are the most likely to be betting on sports, which just makes sense. So uh, I think it's really interesting. I think there's potential for everyone to win here, right? I mean, from a team perspective, the amount of revenue that's coming in and these, and I, I, you know, having talked to some of these executives, seven-figure deals that are coming through on these various teams, that's a big number for a sponsorship deal. That's a, that's a strong number that is a brand new line item that these teams have never seen before. And I think overall the sports betting landscape is going to be interesting because one of the things that I think is most fascinating is the fact that, hey, the, the teams in Detroit might be getting a couple million dollars and the teams in Denver might be getting a couple million dollars. And now all the other municipalities and cities are going to say, wait a minute, I need that on my P&L. How do I get that? And they're going to push up on the government level and say, yeah. let's speed this thing up. I mean, we're losing out on revenue here, not not just from a tax revenue standpoint, but on the team side is saying, hey, we can't compete because we don't have these kind of sponsorship deals and the tax dollars aren't coming in. So we need to fund stadiums. We need to do this. And I think that it's going to be this big uh, kind of vicious cycle in a positive way that is encouraging sports betting and taking it out of the taboo world that it once was into where it is now. I mean, if you go on MLS, you'll see MGM lines on, on their games. Uh, obviously, the NBA announced their bet stream product, which you can stream and have data and insights right there and have people commentating on it. And I, I think it's very much here. It's just kind of taking some of those folks who are a little late to the game and, and having them really push it uh, and finally accept that it's something that's coming. And I think kind of every, everyone kind of wins from this. I think it's, it's great from a revenue standpoint. Um, there's some amazing companies on the integrity side. U.S. Integrity is a portfolio company of ours 
and they're very big and making sure that, you know, no one's cheating, no one's doing anything they shouldn't be. And I think that's kind of the veiled concern that everyone has, which I think is unwarranted when you have the right folks in checking that stuff. But I think it's time to, to fully roll it out and, and we're here for it, obviously. Yeah. Well, I mean, the integrity part is interesting during the pandemic when everybody's money was going on ping pong matches in Russia and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and you're and, and then suddenly it didn't take very long to realize that the integrity really matters because you're betting on things. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. So it Correct. is imperative. Correct. You're, yeah. just, you're just satiating a need. That's right. Um, all right, let's talk about gaming for a moment, which clearly as a standalone is a massive growth market, and maybe it has surpassed many in the entertainment industry, let alone sports. Um, how do you see that fully integrating with traditional sports? Because clearly there are direct partnerships with one another. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question, and there's a lot to be learned from both sides. Uh, as I mentioned, when I when I left traditional sports, the, the reason that I went into gaming was I was just so fascinated by how they consume content. The concept of Twitch was so wild to us 10 years ago. I was just listening to a podcast about the founding of Twitch and how Justin, Justin TV is the original name of Twitch, how Justin filmed himself for 24 hours a day. And when, when he launched this on a $50,000 uh, investment, people's idea in the world. And now I personally feel that Twitch is replacing live TV in a sense where now, when I used to channel surf and I would go and, you know, we grew up without, without on demand and that, and you would just kind of, oh, what's on this channel? What's on that channel? That's kind of what Twitch has become for me, right? I may want to watch, as I mentioned, Tim the Tatman. I may want to watch Nate Shot. I may want to watch League of Legends, Overwatch, whatever it is. And I have that ability to have live TV on at any time, but it's not appointment TV. You know, I can tune in now. I can tune in later. Occasionally, sometimes it is appointment with, um, you know, events and things like that. But for the most part, it's just kind of an open experience. And I think sports, obviously, you know, that the old mantra of being DVR proof, I think if they can create and grow and give more content, that's, you know, 24-7. I think I'm, I'm very bullish and very curious to hear what's going on with some of the big clubs that are signing deals with Twitch, i.e. Real Madrid, who's launching a Twitch channel and has a partnership with them to see what kind of content is going to come out of it. Where, where are they going to leverage that? And I think it, it's something that I'm super fascinated by. I mean, somebody called Sportscaster, you saw, they just uh, yeah. announced a partnership where they're going to be doing more games and you can pick your uh, pick your announcer and pick yeah. your caster, which I, I just think is so, it, it, it all comes from the roots of gaming. And I'm excited to see that trickle into traditional sports and kind of give me that consumption uh, versus what I've seen in the past with, you know, previously newspaper and radio and then TV and then HD and then streaming. So I think this is the big next iteration and they're taking a lot of the blueprints from the gaming world. Yeah, listen, I, uh, of, uh, of all the things you mentioned, I'm rooting for all of them. Maybe not sportscaster as a broadcaster. I'm sitting here going, <laughs> uh, I still want to be picked and can my expertise please still be valued. <laughs> we, we just got to get you a Twitch channel. And then I you, guess can so. become, you can become the most popular one. Well, I'll, you know, I'll leave you with this because like, look, the gaming world has really kind of centered around that. And it's been wildly successful, not just as in growth, the popularity but as a content option for people that they're garnering these massive audiences um how do you see traditional sports fitting into that and modernizing their product to fit into it because as you and i both know the access that they have traditionally wanted to give especially during a game is very limited compared to what esports is so how do you kind of mesh the idea of what the modern viewing experience looks like if it's going to be in a forum like that yeah i think we're going to see and, and there's technology out there and we've invested in some of the technology out there of you know kind of having a game 
that is personalized for you. So you may have a camera of an NBA game that sits at the wide-eye lens that sits across the entire uh, court, but it's such a high-quality um, high lens that I can just watch Steph Curry. I can follow Steph Curry that whole time, or I can follow Draymond Green or whoever it may be. And you can create the viewing experience that you want. If you're hypothetically betting an over, you want Draymond Green over 10.5 rebounds, I can just follow Draymond the entire time. I don't need to see what else is going on in the game. And if you're a student of the game, if you're a player, to say, you know what, this guy is kind of my style. You know, I, I, Jokic is one of my favorite players to watch because I'm, I'm an OP big, uh, big guy. Now that he's super thin, maybe I'm not as correlated as I thought I once was. But um, watching him play and really understanding how he plays the game and how he approaches it, and that's on ball, off ball, and everything in between. I think that's kind of where we're headed is personalized gaming experiences where you want to follow a player, you want a certain view, you want betting and analytics to pop up, you want engagement with the chat like you see in Twitch, it's all going to be there for you. And I, and I think that's what's so exciting is no longer is it going to be you're beholden to, you know, a singular announcer and it's a singular channel. It's going to be, what do you want from this experience? Yeah. What do you want to get out of it? Do you want a funny experience? Do you want a comedian to kind of give you commentary while you're watching? Do you want a former player like Tony Romo who's done an amazing job with his, you know, <laughs> seeing what plays coming next and his analytics and, or do you want a data person, you know, like a, like a 538 kind of version of, of a game where you can get right into the data and the nitty gritty? And I think that's what I'm super excited for is to really kind of get everyone's individual experience. And it goes back to your original question of are teams listening to fans and what are they hearing? And I, and I think this is a testament to that is we're going to get what we want out of, uh, out of the experience. And I think that's only going to grow sports uh, even bigger than it already is. It sounds crazy to think. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And we just need to get get past the pandemic so we can get everything back to normal again. That's, yep. Dan Bravado is the president of the 76 Capital Sports Advisory. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you very much, man. On the next Future Sport podcast, baseball, it's in need of a modern spruce up. So there's a report recently that Derek Jeter was the most recognizable um, amongst 50 players uh, in all sports. Derek Jeter was the only baseball player on that list that he retired. And so I think MLB had a problem with marketing. Jarrett Sims and Peter Stein, founders of Turn to Equity Partners, will join us and they'll discuss the opportunity they see to modernize the pastime. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advanced, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.